Hello and welcome to the Book of Acts. My name is Lloyd and I'm on the Isle of Gia in Scotland and we are in Acts chapter 7 coming to the end of Stephen's speech. Previously we had heard Stephen begin to finalize his speech. He had ended up talking about Moses' life and how the Israelites had rejected his leadership and preferred instead to return to Egypt than to submit to God's anointed leader. We come now to the last moments of Stephen's speech. He never quite finishes up as we shall see, but he gets abruptly halted and then stoned. He is the first martyr of the early church, but we will hear now about David and Solomon as Stephen focuses the last moments of his, his speech, a very long speech, on the temple which he has been accused of speaking against, but we can see clearly he honours very highly. <clears throat> so the longer section of the speech was taken up looking at the life of Moses, who he was accused of dishonouring and disregarding the law which Moses had set up, and we see that's, that's clearly false. He didn't defend himself, we don't, see, we don't have any hint that Stephen is trying to defend himself or justify himself, but instead he's showing his high regard and honour for the law, for Moses, who had delivered the law, and for the temple. All of these things that he's been accused of doing, he shows, actually, no, I'm honouring God in these things. Without actually defending himself, he's honouring God in his speech. So whilst Stephen stands accused by men, he shows that it is actually the religious leaders who are standing on trial before God, who is the judge overall. We will see now how, despite what Stephen was accused of, he is innocent and has a stronger grasp of the law, the purpose of the temple, a clearer view of the Messiah than those who are, most, who are meant to be leading the people in these things. God is not bound by location, as we shall see. Rather, God chooses to meet his people where they are. And God traveled with his people. He, was, he, he tabernacled with his people. And the tabernacle was a moving article in the desert. God set up his tent, his presence, and the people carried God's presence with them. In all, the tabernacle was actually a temporary a temporary location for God's presence. And the temple, which seemed more permanent because it was, had a foundation and was built in one place, it was always a shadow. And now in Stephen's lifetime, the temple has come to the end of its use. Now that the once and for all sin sacrifice of the Messiah has happened, and Jesus himself is now the living temple. So let's read the passage. Acts chapter 7, verse 44 to 53. Our fathers had the tent of witness in the wilderness, just as he who spoke to Moses directed him to make it, according to the pattern he had seen. Our fathers, in turn, brought it in with Joshua when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before our fathers. So it was until the days of David, who found favour in the sight of God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands. As the prophet says, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? What is the place of my rest? 
Did not my hand make all these things? You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. <clears throat> so once again, Stephen appeals for his hearers to notice the shared history that they have as the people of God. And he seeks to draw them back to their covenantal roots. So he says, our fathers. And this is the first mention of the tabernacle, which was the predecessor to the temple in Stephen's speech. And it is out in the wilderness, not where the temple was. So just as the tent, the tabernacle gave way to the building of the temple, so the building must now give way to the living temple, Jesus Christ. And the law as well, which he's been accused of dishonoring, will be fulfilled in Jesus. Not dishonored or, 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 or washed away or, or forgotten about. No, it will be fulfilled. That's the word that Jesus used. He came to fulfill the law, not to do away with it. And in fact, his death on the cross is proof that he didn't do away with the law. Because the law was fulfilled in Jesus. He died for our sin. If he, if he had done away with the law, he wouldn't have gone to the cross. So on both these counts... It is no dishonor to the shadow when the perfect comes forth and provides the permanent replacement for that temporary item. And so Stephen is not dishonoring the tabernacle, he's not dishonoring the law and stating that Jesus has come to fulfill both. And he says that the tent was carried into the promised land by Joshua, whose name in Greek is Jesus, the Savior. He says, our fathers in turn brought it in with Joshua when they dispossessed the land, the, the nations that God drove out before our fathers. So it was until the days of David who found favor in the sight of God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. So here Stephen stating that the, that the tabernacle was, it, it, it was set up during the desert years and it was brought into the promised land, it had to be carried. It was a moving tabernacle. And it was hundreds of years later, in the days of David, that the idea of a temple was conceived. And then, even then, it was delayed until Solomon was on the throne. So God was in no rush to be boxed into a temple or to be, to be placed in a building. And that, that was his domain. He was all right being amongst his people. And he goes on a speech, but it was Solomon who built a house for him. Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by human hands. And then he quotes the prophet Isaiah. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? So by quoting Isaiah 66, Stephen states his summary. God is not limited to one place. God is not limited... He's a pilgrim God. He moves with his people. Abraham met him in Mesopotamia, or God met Abraham. God met Joseph in Egypt. He met Moses in the desert. God goes to his people. He won't be fixed in one location. And Stephen is not annoyed or critical of the temple. He is, he's more aware of 
actually its role, its true role, its history, and the fact that it's being replaced in the Messiah Jesus. Its role has been fulfilled. It now has no purpose because the true temple, the living temple, Jesus himself, has appeared and died for his people. As Solomon dedicated the temple, he declared the limitations of a house to contain God, who had actually made all things. So God does not need a temple, he does not need even a people, yet he chooses to dwell with his people. But he will not be hemmed in, he will not be boxed in. So whilst the religious leaders claim to be obeying the law, they do not understand it as they should. And it is in fact Stephen who has the revelation, the divine revelation of the reality concerning the law, the temple, God's purposes for them all and for the Messiah. He shows a high regard for the law. And it is in fact the religious leaders who are dishonoring God in this moment. At this point, Stephen begins to sense resistance from them. He senses the hardness of their hearts and that they will not yield to the truth. They'll not embrace by faith that which God has laid out before them. They'll not recognize and receive and believe in this Jesus, this Messiah that has died for them. But because of their hard and impenitent hearts, they are storing up wrath for themselves on the day of wrath when the righteous judgment of God will be revealed. So Stephen now accuses his accusers. And this is the ending of the speech. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in hearts and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. That's where he starts off, resisting the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? So it's gone from our fathers to your fathers. And they, they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. So he's accusing them of killing Jesus. You who received the law as delivered by angels and yet did not keep it. So Stephen accuses his hearers of being stubborn, resistors of God, resistors of the Holy Spirit, just as their ancestors had been before them. Always turning back towards Egypt, killing the prophets, even being responsible, having blood on their hands for the most wicked of all crimes, killing the Messiah. Yet all along, they had the great privileges of being part of the, the promised people of God, those that had the law, the law was revealed to them. They had such a privileged position. We read of the prophets who were resisted in their day. It's quite easy to read about them, to read Jeremiah's and Isaiah and Zechariah and all those, those prophets of all. We read them. We quote them today. But many who quote those prophets today actually would be those who resisted and condemned them at the time, in their lifetimes. Just like what's happening with Stephen. The religious people are resisting God's purposes. The law they had received, the privileged position of knowledge they had had for so many years, they, they had attained all of this from God. They, but they had squandered it. It was all wasted. And now they were actually in hostility to God himself. They were resisting God's purposes. These very men, it is likely, had talked to Judas and given him the 30 pieces of silver with which to betray Jesus. And they had probably stirred up the crowd as well and enabled his crucifixion. That's what Stephen's saying. 
Stephen, who knew those who were involved in stirring up the crowd and who was alive at the time of the crucifixion. So whilst Stephen makes no defense of himself and seeks no justification of his position, he is defending the gospel, he is explaining the truth, and he's accusing those who actually are lying. And we see how the gospel, as beautiful as it is, when not received with a believing heart, with a born-again heart, it is like pearls before swine. So are you resisting God's ways, His purposes, His people, His Spirit? Return to Jesus today. Return to His sight. Come again that times of refreshing may come from the Lord to you. And if you've never known Jesus, but you've resisted him in your heart, today would you turn to Christ? Would you repent of your sin? Would you say sorry to Jesus for your sin? Would you receive forgiveness? Would you receive the gift of the Father, the Holy Spirit, and live a life obeying Jesus, following him? So Lord Jesus, I just pray that this word would encourage someone, would make someone come alive to faith in Jesus today. Would you do a work in our hearts? Would you teach us through this word? Amen.